Amen. C.S. Lewis said that Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true is of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. The word for the day is devotion. And the question for the day is, what are your next steps towards devotion? Turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. And as you are turning there in your Bibles or tablets or phones or whatever you got, I want to uh, one last time get you to acknowledge this Connect card. One last time get you to, uh, to look at this Connect card as we are finishing our series today called Connect Card Christianity. And as we have, have continued to talk about our name and reputation, our spiritual address of where we live, as we talked last week about inviting people to come to church. And then this week we're going to look at the back where it says, I would like to, and then there are options of responses there where you can, can let us know how we can help you. Honestly, one of the best ways that we can help you, and I know this sounds crazy, but one of the best ways that we can help you is for you to fill out this card. That sounds very practical. Maybe even you're thinking that's too practical. But one of the ways that we can know how to help you is to know how to help you. And that way is done usually through this card. And that's not the only way, but it sure could help us today. When you're leaving, if you've made some sort of a decision to take a next step, that you would leave this with us so that we can follow up. Because on the back side of this card has things like, I would like to know how to become a Christian. I would like to know how to join this church. I want to move uh, my membership from a campus to another. I want to know how to get my baptism in order, talk to a minister. These are next steps. These are next steps as you are thinking about your walk with God and your faith in Christ. Because we don't want just come to church. Amen? We, it's our desire, and I say we as a staff, we don't desire for you to just come to church. We want you to be the church. And in order for you to take your next step, you, you should let us know how we can do that, how we can help you to walk in faith. And regardless of whether or not you have been here for 20 years or 20 minutes, we want to know how to help you continue to walk in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you have turned to First Chronicles chapter 28, I'm going to do that thing that preachers often do, which is to frustrate you and ask you to hold your place in First Chronicles 28 as we turn back to First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 1. And in that chapter and verse, the scripture says this. When David was settled in his palace, he summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. Lord, would you please just quiet our mind and our spirit, Lord, get our attention. And when we leave here, that we would leave here challenged and changed, looking more like your son Jesus in his name. Amen. When David was settled in his palace, he summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. As God's people made their way from, from slavery to freedom to the promised land of Canaan, God went with them. His actual presence was with his people in the tabernacle, in the tent, with the Ark of the Covenant. And once Jerusalem was established as a center for this kingdom of Israel, King David did not want to forget where the blessing came from. King David was sitting in a palace, realizing all of the blessings of God, how God had taken care of him. And as he's sitting there in that palace, he realizes that the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was out there in a the tent. Now, King David wasn't a, a perfect man. He wasn't a perfect king. But he loved the Lord. 
And when he had sin in his life, he owned up to it finally, and he recognized and he called on God for mercy. David loved God. He was a man after God's own heart, and God loved him. And while he was in his palace thinking about all of these provisions that he was living within, he did not want to forget where he came from. He did not want to forget how God had taken care of him. So this is weird, I know, but this is what I'm saying to you. God took care of David, so David wanted to take care of God. Now that will preach. Churches, we think about the sanctuary we sit in, we think about the homes that we live in, we think about the provision that we have, we think about all the things that we've got because of God. It ought to lead us to want to take care of God. I know that sounds crazy, but this is where David was. David had been blessed, and he did not want to forget it. And so he got the prophet to come. He said, prophet, come here. Nathan, come here. Here I am sitting up in here with my flat screens, and I'm sitting here with my brand-new couches, and I'm sitting here with all the windows and all the trimmings and all these things, and God's out there living in a tent. Now, that really will help us to be reminded of who we are and who we are not and where we came from. And as we think about this, this is good for us to hear because while we rest within this provision that God gives, we cannot forget where that provision has its source. And now, God, as, he, as David is trying to get the word of God, God, I want to take care of you. This is what God responds to him with in verses 4 through 14 of that same chapter. And I'm going to paraphrase, but this is basically what God's going to say to him. That sure is sweet, son. Thank you. But I'm God, and I'll go anywhere I want to go. I'm God. If I want to be in your palace, I'll be in your palace. If I choose to be in the tent and tabernacle, that's where I'll go. The essence of God is spirit, so I'll be pleased to go wherever I want to go. And I thank you for that. And by the way, David, you're not going to be the one that's going to build the temple. It's going to be Solomon. It's going to be your son. Your son is going to build the temple. So once David learns that this is happening, this building project would not be his he values the presence of God so much that he wants to just transition it to somebody else. And so he hands the keys of the kingdom to Solomon and so that Solomon can get to work. Now turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 5 and 6. This is basically going to confirm all that we've just said. But in verse 5, the Bible says, And from among my sons, for the Lord has given me many, he chose Solomon to succeed me on the throne of Israel and to rule over the Lord's kingdom. He said to me, Your son Solomon will build my temple and its courtyards, for I have chosen him as my son, and I will be his father. Now, David, you got to understand something. David had called everybody, everybody, to bring it in so that you could hear this message. The king was about to transition. He was going to hand it to his son. He got the generals there. He got the administrators there. He got the mighty men there and everybody else and everybody in between. And they were sitting there hearing this message as David was telling his people, this is where we're going. I'm handing it to my son in due time. Now, this brings us to verse 7. And the Bible says, as David is speaking for the Lord to Solomon, if he continues, listen to this, to obey my commands and regulations as he does now, I will make his kingdom last forever. Now, I want you to notice that word continues. If he continues to obey my commands and regulations as he does now, I'll make his kingdom last forever. Hey, forever is a big word. Forever is, is the kind of word that we only use when we're joking or when we're talking about God. That's the only time we use that kind of word because... God's in control of forever. Only God can decide what forever looks like. And so what David has just said to Solomon, as God had promised to him, 
that, that if you'll keep your way in the way of God, I'm going to make this kingdom last forever. Now, God is working through David and working through Solomon to establish a future kingdom, a kingdom that would never be taken over, a kingdom that would not be terrorized, a kingdom that would never be undercut. Now, if you didn't come for Bible study today, I'm sorry because we're going to study the Bible here for just a minute. And by, by that, let me just say this. Once you figure out how Old Testament and New Testament, Genesis, Revelation fit together, it's going to get a lot better for you in your study of the Bible. Study the Bible. We're going to talk about that today. But as we study the Scripture, as God has promised to David and Solomon that he's going to establish through them a kingdom forever, King David and King Solomon were very important. They, they were, were men who have authored under the divine inspiration of God the Scripture, part of the Scripture. They, they are men who have been kings over God's people. But listen to me. They were just men that were supposed to point other men towards the king of kings. They were just men that were called of God to point towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the real descendant, stay with me, the real descendant that God is talking about as he is speaking of a future king of a future kingdom is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, we read the genealogy, all those names that read through those verses. Jesus would be born on this earth by the power of the Holy Spirit through the line of David and Solomon. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus announced, The time promised by God has come at last. Now listen, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. After I studied that this week, I read it different for the first time in a long time. When Jesus said that the kingdom of God is near, he didn't mean that it's coming. He meant that it's here right now. Because when the king is present, the kingdom's present. Are you hearing me? Jesus was there to say the kingdom of God is near because Jesus was here. And so this wouldn't be just an earthly rule. It would be an eternal kingdom where the people of God would live with him forever in heaven. And follow him while here on earth until, he until the time he said it's time to go home. And so all of this descendants in the kingdom forever and all these things in the Old Testament was leading towards Jesus. Jesus, the real descendant. Now listen to this. The real temple, as we talk about David having the, the Ark of the Covenant in the tent and then Jesus is, or God's presence in the tent. And then we talk about a temple that God's presence would fill the temple. The real temple was Jesus. The real temple, the scripture says, Colossians 1.19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So you see, what God was working on from the Old Testament to the New Testament was to establish his presence and his rule with his people. It's always been God's idea from Genesis to Revelation for those who would believe and be his people to rule over them and for him to give his presence to them. Are you glad that you have the presence of God in you? Are you glad to have a God that will rule over you? Lord, have mercy. I find myself every day going, God, you want to take me from me. Are you glad that this, this is God's desire from the, from the beginning to the end to establish his rule and to give his presence? But you see, there's something that stands in the way of that that always has, and it's a three-letter word that we all got. From the pastor to the prisoner. And that's sin. Sin separates from God. It always does, no matter how big or little. The scripture says in Isaiah that your sins cut you off from God. So if you want the presence of God, 
If you want the power of God, you want the rule of God, the reign of God in your life, then your sin has to be dealt with. My sin has to be dealt with. If you're a believer, then you need to restore fellowship by confessing your sin because confession just means he already knows it anyway. You might as well agree with him. But, but if you are not, and you're not sure, and you're not settled, and there's unsettling feeling in your heart, the thing that stands between your right relationship with God forever and God and you is, is sin. And so all of this has to be dealt with. And listen, Jesus did all of it. He did all of it. Jesus' life was perfect for our standard. His death was sacrificial and the perfect sacrifice and the only sacrifice endorsed by God so that we might be forgiven. Jesus' resurrection gives us hope of eternal life. So when we lay our loved ones in the ground and they're in Christ, it's not the end of all ends. Because they are in Christ, they too shall rise is what I see in here. So as God was working on all these things from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it really is all about Jesus as David and Solomon and everybody in here that would call themselves a follower of Christ. We're all supposed to be pointing people to the King of Kings. That's it. The real temple, the real descendant, and the real way to be right with God is through Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. Are you confident? Are you confident that you are personally right with God? Are you confident that you are personally right with God? If not, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. If, if, if sin is in your life, if you're not confident of your relationship with God because of sin, if you're not confident of your relationship because of the past and all of these things going on, and if God's Holy Spirit is bringing to heart and mind that you are a sinner and that you need salvation convicting you of your sin and the righteousness of God, you have a decision to make. Will you remain in your sin and see if you can figure it out? Which is not a good plan. Or would you turn from yourself and turn to God and place your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? You have a decision to make. It's important. We talk about what's on the back of this card. Our faith begins with a decisive first step. Hear that. Our faith begins with a decisive first step. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, Today I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings, and now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Listen to me. Our walk with God begins with a decisive first step. For you to turn from yourself and call on God, how? The best way you know how. Admit that you're a sinner and you believe Jesus and call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And then we just saw another decisive first step right up here. Once you get saved, you need to be baptized. We've seen a step of obedience, a step of faith in the right direction to submit to the Lordship of Christ, identify with who Jesus is. And we've seen that decisive first step. You need to join the church. You need to be part of the church, the local church. These are decisive first steps. But listen, that's not where we're going today. I know you're probably thinking, well, you've been talking about that for a while. Being a Christian and following Jesus is not limited to a decision. The scripture says, after what we just read in Deuteronomy that says to choose life, the Bible says you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and watch this, and committing yourselves firmly to him. This is the key to life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, and Jacob. 
If you hadn't written anything down yet, please write this down. Christianity looks more like devotion than it does a decision. Christianity looks more like devotion than it does a decision. Now, I'm not up here just to talk to myself today. Y'all hearing me? It looks more like devotion than it does a decision. This is so important. Because if you're, listen, and I'm not making light of anything that we've just said already about the decisive first steps. If your Christianity is limited to a baptism certificate or a meaningful memory, we got work to do. Because it's, it's not just limited to those things. While those things are great, decisive first steps, those are first steps towards a walk, towards a continuance, towards a commitment. God's promise to Israel was not dependent upon David or Solomon. God's promise of Jesus coming and salvation coming was absolute because God makes promises and he keeps them for real. And the promise of salvation made and kept by the Lord was there. But then there was this promise that we read about in Scripture in verse 8 that's about a blessing. God's promise of salvation is going to happen in your life if you believe because of God. But blessing in your life will happen in your life and in my life because of us. God's going to fulfill his promise. This is a conditional covenant. We want to be blessed. We've got to act like we want to be blessed. That's what I'm telling you. This is the truth of, of God's word. Look at verse 8. David speaking to his son Solomon as God has inspired him to do it. So now with God as our witness and in the sight of all of Israel, as everybody's there, the Lord's assembly, he says, I give you this charge. Be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God so that you may continue to possess the good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. David was giving this word of devotion to Solomon, but also to the entire nation, the Lord's assembly, because whatever you give to the leader, the leader's going to try to give it to the people. And so this is the word of God for God's people. If they would obey, if they would continue, if they would commit, then the blessing would be theirs. So again, I say this one more time. Christianity looks more like devotion than it does a decision. And so for here today, and we're thinking, I want that devotion. I want that to be my life. I'm going to give you four things from the scripture that's going to help us take next steps towards devotion. Number one is found in verse 9. Verse 9 says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Know the God of your ancestors intimately. This word, to know, is translated to find out for certain by seeing now, King David had, had seen the Lord, meaning figuratively, meaning he had experienced God. King David had, had his ups and downs, but he was a man after God's own heart. He cared about God. God cared about him. But that's David's faith. That's not Solomon's faith. And this is why the Scripture says, Know the God of your ancestors intimately. I know this is your daddy's God. I get that. And your family's God. But have you experienced God? Students, have you experienced God? Children, have you experienced God? Adults, senior adults, I know about your family's faith. I hope it's intact, and I'm so glad it's there. But what about you personally? Have you learned to know God intimately? Again, not about what your daddy used to say, your grandmama, the verses she always used to quote. Your children want to know the verses that you quote. You, you, your grandchildren want to know the verses that you've got in your heart, not the ones that have been passed down. You find one in here. 
Know the Lord intimately. God is relational. Did you know that? God can be known. He wants to be known. The scripture says in Psalm, be still and know that I am God. The scripture says to us, taste and see that the Lord is good. The scripture says to us, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. This is not a God that cannot be known, cannot be found, cannot be relative to us. Don't let anybody else tell you different. Because the scripture would tell us how relational God is. It's just that sin has to be dealt with. And once that sin is dealt with, and has been by the Lord Jesus Christ, and is believed in by the church, then what we have here is a relationship with God. And God's instruction for us to know Him means that He can be known. How is that even possible? Well, there's general revelation, which lets us know who God is, and that's on the outside, that's in creation, and that's over time. But then there's specific revelation, how God reveals Himself. That is through the person of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Now, last time I checked, Jesus is alive and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Therefore, if Jesus is alive, he can be known. Are you hearing me? Jesus is alive, we can talk to him. Jesus is alive, we can worship him. We can hear from him. We can be led by the Spirit of God because Jesus, the specific revelation of God, the way that God makes himself known, is alive and well and coming again. And then there's also the Word of God. The Word of God is the specific revelation of God. This is the Bible. This is the Bible. This is in print. This is why it's so important to read and learn how to read when we're little. Because we have in front of us, all of us, even on your tablets, your phones, in front of you, the breath of God. And so as we are thinking about devotion and learning to know God, a life of devotion, listen to me, looks a lot like learning. A life of devotion looks a lot like learning, learning to know God. How to do that? Theologically speaking, yes. We need to know the nature of God, the attributes of God. But relationship speaking, because God can be known and He's real and alive, we should know the relative attributes of God. Have you experienced His grace and mercy? Have you experienced His guiding, His leadership? How many of us, Lord, help us have experienced His discipline and justice? Those are relational aspects of God. And we can continue to get to know those as we spend time with God. Do you want your Christianity to move from decision to devotion? If so, this is my advice for you today. Read. Read. I'm serious. Read. Read the Bible. Learn. If you don't know enough, know enough. Take in all of God's Word. Take in the study of God's Word. Walk with God by learning, by reading Two weeks ago, I went to Cracker Barrel. And when I went to Cracker Barrel, I went on a Wednesday, and I went with a pastor friend of mine. And on Wednesday, Cracker Barrel, and I guess this is a shameless plug. It's not an, I guess it's an endorsement too, whatever. But Cracker Barrel on Wednesdays has broccoli cheddar chicken. Let me tell you all something. It's legit. So I went on Wednesday and, and went to get this, uh, this broccoli cheddar. I didn't go specifically for that, but I was there, and I thought, hey, it's Wednesday. So it was great, but, but as the waitress was, was taking order, I said, hey, I'm going to tell you this. Bring me a separate check at the end, and, and I, I want that for me, and I want another plate of broccoli cheddar chicken. It's not for me. Chill out. It's not for me. <laughs> My wife also loves broccoli cheddar chicken on Wednesdays, and being as that we're in the church business, we don't get to go to Cracker Barrel on Wednesdays much, amen? So, so when I got to go on that Wednesday, I was like, give me another plate. 
Because here it is, guys. Guys, I know that I have not read every chapter of my wife, but I read that one. And I know that she likes broccoli cheddar chicken. And so I called her and said, hey, guess what? She said, what? I said, I got your lunch. She said, what is it? I said, Cracker Barrel on Wednesday, broccoli cheddar chicken. And I'll tell you that, not just because we're all hungry probably, but this is the reason I tell you. I've learned that in my life, in my closest relationships, when I study those who are in my life closest to me, I bring intimacy to the table. I do. When I learn that about Brittany, when I learn how my, my son and my daughter tick, when I learn that about them, I myself am knowing them more intimately. The reason often that we don't know God like we should is because we don't read God. We don't study God. And this happens in our relationships. If you've lost intimacy in your relationships, one of the reasons why is because you quit studying each other. In your marriages, if, if we quit reading each other, quit caring about what the other is disappointed by, what the other one cares about, then you, you will know that that devotion will grow apart. It's the same with God. The reason we used to serve God, the reason we used to get excited about the things of God, the reason why there used to be revivals is because we spent time with God personally. That's why all those things used to happen. As we distance ourselves from God and the devotion that we're supposed to have, you can bet that the intimacy will follow. Know God is what he said. Think about this. Solomon is about to take the keys to the kingdom over God's people, and the first thing he tells them is to learn me, son. Intimately, get to know God for real. We all read about what we desire. We all read. We all say this thing about I don't like to read or I do like to read. We all read. We all read in some way or another. And maybe you'd say, well, I don't really read. I just look at Facebook and Instagram. Well, you need to get you a picture Bible then. <laughs> and you need to read and scroll through it. Because if he can be known... If you want your faith in Christ and your walk with God to be a devoted faith over time, you've got to read his word. Practically speaking, let me give you something that's going to help, help you seriously. Practically speaking, if you want to know how to do a quiet time for real each day, and you want to know how to do one successfully so that you are getting towards these steps of devotion because you do want your faith to be more than just the first steps that you took, but you want them to be a walk with God, I want you to do this. Google, I'm serious, Google How to Have a Meaningful Quiet Time by Adrian Rogers. How to Have a Meaningful Quiet Time by Adrian Rogers. I found that the other day. I downloaded it, listened to it on a podcast, and I cut the grass. I listened to it twice. It was so good. Do it. Seriously, do that. Make a note of it now. Google How to, Meaning, how to Have a Meaningful Quiet Time by Adrian Rogers. It will help you read the Bible and read it for real with the intention of taking next steps. There was a godly grandmother who always read her Bible. She would often be found in, in her chair in her house with that Bible beside her chair in her house. And her granddaughter would often visit her. And when the granddaughter got there, she would always see her grandmother from time to time reading her Bible. And she asked her grandmother one day, she said, Grandmother, are you not ever going to finish that book? You see, they give degrees for the theology and all that, but there's really no finish to studying the Word of God when you're trying to get to know God. It never ends. Man, there, there's also beauty in the search. There's, there's, really, there's really a great thing about how God has set up the Word so that when we read it, it's alive again and again, and we just continue to get to know Him as we walk with Him. And, and the truth is, when we begin to read the Bible, this is what we learn. We learn that the Bible reads us. 
That's how God has set all this up. Y'all, I'm not here today just to talk about what we can get out of this. I'm here to tell you who God is. I'm telling you God wants a relationship with his people. God has set it up so that he would be the rule over them, so that he would be the relationship with them. And so what he says to Solomon, as Solomon is about to take this position, as he's speaking of devotion, you got to know me. you got to know me. second thing is this in verse 9. Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. Second step of devotion is serving God. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and mind. I remember years ago, we, we had a, a, a revival here, and Vance Pittman was the speaker. And for whatever reason, I've never forgotten this. Vance Pittman said, the reason we don't love God is because we don't know God. And the reason we don't know God is because we don't spend time with God. I wrote that in my Bible. Think about it a lot. So the opposite must also be true. If we spend time with God because we know and we love God, then we'll respond to God. How do we respond to God the best? By worship and service. Worship and serve him with your whole heart. It's the appropriate response to who God is. When we find ourselves distant from worship, y'all, I I believe this wholeheartedly. For those that would say that the reason they don't come to church and the reason they don't do what they used to do anymore at church or with the body of Christ, the reason they're not, the gathering's not a part of their life, the reason why we, we don't, are not personally invested in service anymore is because we've not gotten away from the church. We've not gotten out of service. We've distanced ourselves from God. When we don't love God like we used to, guess what goes? Worship and service. That's what happens. So in our everyday life, if we're not seeking God, I'll go ahead and tell you what's going to happen. Y'all be gone from here in a little while. You'll be gone. We'll look for you because you used to be here, not because you're here anymore. So when that happens in our devotion to God and there's distance, we begin to treat God like an old friend. God should never be an old friend. Old friends are those who used to hang out with us a lot. And we used to hang out with them. In fact, we would seek them out to hang out with because they were a friend. But now they're an old friend, so we don't do that anymore. Old friends, we used to laugh with them a lot. We used to spend time with them a lot. Now when they call, we may screen their call because they're an old friend and they're not in the circle anymore. Old friends, we don't invite old friends to the things that we do now because they're just not in our lives. And because they're not, our response to them is not the same anymore. We're not ready to help them anymore. Let's just be honest. We're not with them as much anymore because they're old friends. This is how it is with God. Services, opportunities used to pique our interest. They piqued our interest because we wanted more of God then. That's why. We wanted more of God in our life. We wanted our life to be different. We wanted it to shine We understood what God's salvation meant to us. And that's why all of these other opportunities made sense to our mind and our calendars. Because we spent time with God. And this is what God says to Solomon. Know me for real, intimately. And if you seek me, you'll find me. But before that, he says, worship and serve me. Let's not forget, God knows our devotion to him. He knows it. God knows our worship. He knows our service. Did you see what the scripture says after he says to worship and serve? For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. God knows what you've got going on. We may not know it, but God knows it. God knows how you feel. God knows what you're going through. 
He sees your heart. He knows your plans. He knows your thoughts. John Wesley said this, If you only put a profession of religion to please me, or if your obedience to God is insincere, you may indeed deceive me, but you cannot deceive God, for he searches the motions of your heart. Man, that's strong. Specifically, what should we do towards devotion with this point? With this point of, of worship and service to God. I, I'm going I'm to say, say it to the last group. Let me say this. In your worship to God as a step towards devotion, I'm going to encourage you to do something. Next time we sing, close your eyes and sing or don't sing at all and just think. Or the next time we sing, open your eyes and read the words of the songs and don't sing a lick. It's got to come from in here for it to be worship. The worship is about the attitude of your heart. Just because we hear and we lift our voice, God knows what's coming out of our mouth. He knows the source that it's coming from. God knows if you're thinking about football and singing about him. He knows. God knows if, if you're thinking about where you're going to eat and Cracker Barrel doesn't have broccoli cherry chicken today, but we'll go somewhere else that may have it. And he knows all those things as we sing. God knows that. And so when we sing, for real, lock it in. Because that's devotion. Our hearts before God. What else can you do? Man, this is strong now. Listen, if you want to worship and serve God, let me encourage you to do this. Put service on your calendar. Put it on your calendar. Put it in your phone. Put it on your day planner. Where are you going to serve and not just have a good intention, right? This is what the, what the old coach said about potential. You know what potential is? They had not done anything yet. That's what potential is. Boy, he's a potential servant. That means he hadn't served. Put it on the calendar. If you mean it and you want to experience devotion with God, put it on the calendar. Do you know why I say that? Listen to what the scripture says. For the Lord sees every heart, and after that he says he knows your thought. But between that he says he knows your plans. He knows what we put on our calendar. What we put on our calendar we value, do we not? What, we, what is on that sheet that is on our calendar with our days, that's the thing we're invested in. That's the thing that we value. God knows your schedule. He knows my plans. This is who God is. And so if we're thinking about devotion to the Lord, which is overtime commitment and continuance, it has to do with our days. So those are things practically we can do towards devotion. And then he goes on to say, seek God, verse 9. If you seek him, you'll find him. Man, I love that promise. Are you so glad of that? I'm so glad of that. If we seek God, we'll find him. It's not like God's ever going to be out of the office. He doesn't send us the, we send an email and we get this response back that goes, currently I'm out of the office until, oh my word. God, please. If you seek him, the Bible says, you'll find him. But the adverse is true. If you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. Serious? Absolutely. Throughout Second Chronicles, the author, the author gives a one-sentence review of the kings of Israel. Now listen to me. The author of Kings and Chronicles gives a one-sentence review of a king. A king that's been a leader for 20 to 50 years. And at the end of his life, all they get in this book is one sentence that says whether or not they've done a good job. Yep. That's right. Because it's about devotion. It's not all about the things we talk about we're going to do. It's about what we did. 
It's about devotion. And so God in His Word would look at the life of a king and leader of His people and said that they did what was right in God's sight or they did what was evil in God's sight. Well, it's a little more complex than that, ain't it? No, it's not really not. It's really not. And so this is what God is is saying to Solomon. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you reject me, or if you forsake me, reject you forever. You see, when you think about David... We know the hang-ups that David had. We know that he made some bad decisions, and it cost him. But we also know that David was a man after God's own heart, and and that God, he cared like we just read. He wanted to make sure that the presence of God was with his people. And so while your, your day doesn't define your Christianity, that's good or bad. So if you have a really bad day, a really bad month, it doesn't define a lifetime of Christianity. But I can tell you, we know this about David. Can I also tell you this, as I read this in the Scripture this week? Y'all, when you read about Solomon and you think about heaven or hell, it's kind of like this when you read about Solomon. I'm serious. I mean, I know what he wrote in the Scriptures. I know that. And, and God's promises are true always. But when you think about Solomon, you think about the kingdom splitting up after his rule. I mean, you start thinking about did he reject God or did he seek God. It really kind of goes this way. I don't want that for me, do you? I don't want that for me. God, give us the power and the strength to be devoted for your purposes. We can do it because God's Spirit is inside of us. Seek God. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you forsake me, you'll be rejected forever. This is cool. The word seek means to frequent. I want you to hear this in the scripture again then. If you frequent him, you will find him. If you frequent God, you will find God. Often we think of seeking God and only in terms of desperation. Like when we lose our wallet or our keys or our phone. Are you with me? Like, we lose our wallet, keys, or phone, we will flip the house upside down. I'm serious. When I go somewhere, I usually do this right here. If I got this right here with me, I'm good to go. If I don't have one of these in my pocket, something's about to happen. I've got to find them before I leave the house. And what we'll do is, especially like things with our wallet or our key, we will search and search and search. If you treat your relationship with God like that, you'll only seek him when you're desperate. See, that's not what the word means, though. The word seek means frequent. Other times, we think of seeking God only in terms of desire. Only in terms of desire, like when we want to seek God. I, I, we're growing up, my, my grandmother and granddaddy lived 125 yards down the lane from us. And, and so my grandmother used to keep Coke in her refrigerator, but it wasn't just canned Coke or a three liter. It, it was a glass bottle Coke. Yeah. Like, I've gotten more response from you than to the last things I've said in, like, 15 minutes. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you're like, yeah, man. Glass bottle, right? Glass bottle. Here's the deal. We had Coke in our house. We had cans of Coke at our house. I would leave my house and walk 125 yards to get that glass bottle of Coke. Are you hearing me? Sometimes, though, we treat God like that. We'll seek God when we feel like it. But see, the word says, it's not desire, it's not desperation. The word seek means to frequent. If you frequent him, you will find him. It may be better for us to think of seeking God in terms of need. In terms of need. Every day our bodies lose water. And in order for our bodies to function properly without dehydration, we need about three liters of water so that that, that we will thrive during the day. It's it's out of need. Every day, every day we face temptation. Every day we face people. 
God help us. Every day, we face frustration. We face decision. So if every day we face those things, we need God every day. We need God every single day. I need the every hour is what the hymn said. Sometimes it's not even an hour. It's moment by moment. We need God. So whether or not your, your situation is urgent or whether or not you feel like seeking God today, the need is the same every single day. If there's a specific takeaway here, this is what I would say to you. Assign more value to your day. I really think that'll help us. Assign a greater value to your day. Ah, it's just a work day. No, it ain't. You in front of people today? You got opportunities today. Ah, it's a weekend. Thank goodness. Assign more value to your weekend. I woke up yesterday after studying this this week, and God really impressed upon my heart as I was thinking about, man, it's just a Saturday to hang out with. I got a couple things to be at, but I'm going to get to hang out with my family most of the day. That's good, right? Think about that. So I don't need God today. I'll just pick him up tomorrow when I go to church. And then you have a 100-yard interception called back because of targeting, and all of a sudden, God, where are you? I'm joking. I'm joking. But seriously, what I began to think about was, if, if that's the day that I'm going to have, I'm in the house with my wife. My kids are here. I'll get to see a couple of people. We're doing a wedding. We did a wedding yesterday. And if you do enough weddings, you're like, got another wedding. They're in football. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not really kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, live stream. Um, but those are opportunities, aren't they? Those are, that was an opportunity yesterday as I stood and, and, and we shared. I forget sometimes that as I'm talking a, a, a challenge in front of a, a potential husband and a wife, there are other married couples sitting there that get a chance to listen to the Word of God about what marriage is supposed to be like. See, we need God every day. We need Him every, every hour. And this is the point I'm trying to make, is as I encourage you to assign more value to your day, every day adds up to devotion. Every day. Every day, upon the next day, upon the next day, adds up to a lifetime of days which equals devotion. So stop with this mindset of I've got time for this. You don't know that. Who knows what a day will bring is what the scripture says. You don't know if you've got another day. So all the ones before are important and all the ones to come that are important too and today is important as well. Because it all leads up to devotion or lack thereof. And again, and I would also add, just as your Christianity looks more like devotion than decision, if you made a few bad decisions, you don't lose your Christianity over that either. Surely the grace and God, mercy of God is more powerful than that. And then again, verse 10. Verse 10. So, so what David has told Solomon under the inspiration of God is to seek God, to worship and serve God, and to know God in reverse order. And then verse 10, and I love how the New Living Translation puts this. I think in, in the New King James it says, take heed. And in verse 10, the New Living Translation says this. So take this seriously. So take this seriously. Parents and grandparents, have we tried to communicate a message to our children before? Hey, I thought I told you don't do this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, no, no, no. I'm serious. I ain't playing with you. Y'all didn't, are we the only ones that do that? 
I'm not playing. This is serious. So listen to what God is saying after he has just given the challenge to Solomon. He says, so take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. God had called on Solomon. And his call to Solomon was issued with this expectation of devotion to seek, to worship, to serve, to know. And he does that because God is always faithful. And because God is always faithful, he's going to call from faithfulness to us. That's what his call is. And so this is what he's telling Solomon. Solomon, this is a sanctuary you're building, man. My presence is going to be there. This is a consecrated place of God that's to be set aside, to be acknowledged that I am there. This is important. It's important for you to follow the directions. It's important for the people to follow those directions. The things that I value, now you value. The things that are my priorities are now your priorities. Solomon, do you hear me? I'm serious. This is serious. Now, New Testament believers, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, God says we're temples of the Holy Spirit. You know the note I took for myself last week? Solomon, build the temple. Andy John, be the temple. That's what the Word of God is saying. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. This sanctuary that we sit in today, it's not a place where we honor God today and then it becomes something different tomorrow. It will be clean and kept and prepared to be a sanctuary every time we come in here. Therefore, if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are to be clean and kept and prepared to host God and be devoted to Him every single day. And then he says to keep them on task. Be strong and do the work. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt sometime. That's good. Be strong and do the work. You see, there's sometimes, we, we've heard all this. We know all this. Be strong and do the work. Yeah, you know, I've just gotten to this place, I don't feel like it. Okay, be strong and do the work. Solomon's position, he can opt out, he can opt out. But God says to Solomon, I've told you all I'm going to tell you. You better take this serious because you know I love you and I'm serious about my faithfulness. Be strong and stay on task, man, and do the work because this is important. See, this is why Christianity looks more like devotion than it does a decision. Because it's an everyday witness opportunity. It's an everyday living for his glory. It's an everyday living for the good of others. The decision card is, is next steps towards a long walk. So let me close this out this way. We're going to pray in just a moment. For some of us, no joke, it's time for us to take that decisive next step. We need to be saved, man. We need to quit playing games. We need to call upon the name of the Lord. You don't have to walk this aisle. You can sit right where you are. You can call upon the name of, the G, uh, name of Jesus right now. And as I mention the invitation, don't move. Listen to me. Don't move. It's serious. It's serious. Some of us need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved today. Some of us need to take the next step of baptism today. Some of us need to take that next step of, hey, we're here to join the church and serve today. You need to quit putting it off. You need to do it today. But church, can I tell you this And the last thing? For some of us, it's not about a decision today. There's not a decision to make today. We've already done those things. Now it's about devotion. About an everyday, day after day, Serving, seeking, knowing, worshiping kind of Christianity.
And it's time for us not to make another decision, but to be strong and do the work. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want you to know that this altar is open for you. We're just getting started with the invitation. We'd love for you to come and pray with our preachers, come and pray with our counselors, come and pray at this altar. There's nothing that says you have to get on your knees and pray, but there's something special about admitting your dependence upon God. If you want to know how to do any of those things, if you want help to take those next steps, please come and let us help you. There's different ways to get a hold of us. You can submit this Connect card. You can, you can do it online through our website, or you can talk to us personally. We want to help. We want to help. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much, O oh Lord, for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. And God, may we never forget who you are so that we will be who you'd have us to be every single day. Lord, that this would make sense in our heart and mind. Lord, I pray for the encouragement of that one or many that needs to take that decisive next step to be saved, to be baptized, to join the church, if that's where they are. But God, I also pray for the others that it's just time to just be strong and do the work. Oh, Lord, we need you to pull this off. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, for the inheritance of eternity. God, we thank you for the promise of your future rule over us. God, we thank you for all of these things. And today we close this service by praying and praising and seeking in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you.